What's up, everybody? It's Bo here, and we got another Andor TV talk. That's right, it's episode two. Now, in this episode, uh, we get to do a little bit deeper dive into some of the more background characters from the first episode. Uh, let's talk about Andor's friend girl. Friend, not girlfriend, but friend girl. Uh, she's got a boyfriend who's not just a friend boy, but a boyfriend, but she's treated him like a friend boy until their boyfriend girlfriend. Uh, yeah. Is she with the Rebellion? I kind of feel like I missed something last episode that maybe she actually might be connected to a rebel cell. Or maybe we're just supposed to kind of maybe read into her whole deal. Like something's definitely going on. We don't fully know what it is. She's obviously a broker between him and whoever the buyer is. If I had to put money on it right now, I'm assuming it's Skarsgård who just came flying in and is looking for something. Want to imagine something to buy. But I think because of the promo material, we also know that he's probably going to be recruiting Andor. I mean, I guess that's spoilers, but again, it's it's pretty, I don't know, there's a lot of scenes, I feel like, that have been in some of the promos that kind of, those two meeting each other and Skarsgård getting all, hey, you, Andor, come come, come join the, be, be a rebel guy. Come on, do it. It'd be so much fun. Uh, anyway, yeah, so uh, friend girl, girlfriend, girlfriend, friend girl, uh, she and Andor used to have a little bit of a thing going on, but she's with this other guy and this other guy sees her reconnecting with Andor. He's like, no, no, I am not cool with that. And of course, she's being really super sus about the whole situation. So he calls in the whole thing about, hey, Andor's not from here. Uh, he's from this other planet can't remember the name of it, but it's probably that one where there was that chemical leak. And by the way, those whole flashbacks, yeah, we're getting a lot more of those. So last episode, I talked about maybe we might get a little of the backstory sprinkled in. I think probably at least for the first three episodes, they're going to go more of the Boba Fett where this is actually going to be a continuous B slash C story throughout the entire uh, run, at least of these three episodes, which makes sense. I mean, it, it sets up exactly what's going on here, kind of the origins of Cassian and how he kind of ended up where he's at. By the way, okay, so man, all right, there's just a lot. There's a lot. For one thing, his mom, I'm assuming that's Mama Andor, maybe uh, someone who's been acting as, as his mom, if not his actual mom. Uh, she is chilling. She is also using the droid. He, they've got kind of this whole joint custody situation with the, the droid. I, I meant to talk about this last time, but the droid, you know, it's like it's like a Windows 95 version of R2-D2. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like this really, it does speak, which is nice. So it does speak basic, but it's really slow. And, you know, kind of like it has, you know, a hard time processing information fast. And so it's it's uh, it's great. Uh, it's, it's very cute. I'm very curious as to what the purpose of that droid is. You know, like all of these Star Wars droids exist and were created for a specific purpose. Although by the time we meet them, they've all kind of developed their own personalities and, you know, they're for whatever the storyline needs them to be. But I'm, I'm just kind of curious about that style droid. It's very like, it's like a turtle droid almost. It, it, it armors up, it kind of shrinks back into its hole. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. Another thing I noticed in this episode is, uh, yeah, Cassian's gun. So uh, he, he busts out his handgun and maybe this was the case in Rogue One, and I just completely forgot about the fact, or or maybe it's a blink and you miss it type deal, and maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But it, his his handgun looks very much like the the handgun from Kyle Katarn in the Dark Forces uh, series. It's like like this sawed off Imperial rifle or something like that, if I'm remembering correctly. But like it looks exactly like that handgun, and I think that makes sense because. Andor Cassian was Cassian Andor. He was he was created and just Rogue One in general does a lot that the Dark Forces series did as a video game. Like they're kind of pulling a lot of inspiration from that video game and from kind of the lore that was built around it for the Rogue One movie. And then I guess this era of Star Wars in particular, Cassian is very much a spiritual successor or ancestor or something to uh, to to Kyle Katarn. Although now that I say that, I'm wondering, was it Kalkatarn or Dash Rendar? 
No, because Dash Rendar. Okay, all right, my head's going. No, Dash Rendar used like a regular blaster. Like, no, no, no. So it was Calcatarn. Yeah, Calcatarn had the one with like the sawed-off weapon, and it had all the ridges on it and everything else. Looked exactly like what he was busting out, like what he was kind of hiding in his uh, in in his like junk house in this episode. We learn a little bit more about the inner workings of this kind of privatized, essentially police force that we're dealing with on the Imperial side. They're not stormtroopers, they're not the Empire, but they're, as they said, the first line of defense is kind of how they see themselves. And they're like this hardcore, low-key, wannabe fascist uh, group that are, <laughs> yeah, like super eager to like, like make the Empire look good. Even though they're not full-on Imperials, they are very much Imperial loyalists. And we see that our dude from last week is not the only one that's trying to like make winky face over at the Empire. Like there's a whole contingency of these, you know, security dudes that are really, really Team Empire. Like big, big, you know, low-key fascism vibes. Now, one thing I really liked about this, though, is we got a chance to see him, you know, like we, we see he's eager, like we see he's he's all down for the cause. Right. But then when it comes down to it, and he's got a little force. He's a terrible public speaker. And I think that's just really an interesting dichotomy. Right. Because we, we think about this, let's say, worldview and a lot of the imagery that comes to mind, a lot of like more of the the notable folks in that uh, particular camp tend to be very like big public speakers. It's a hallmark of a lot of individuals in that space is that they're big on bravado, big on big speech, big on, you know, uh, you know, talking loud and, and commanding the public with uh, raunchy speeches or rowdy speeches or what have you. Here we see dude can't, like he was, he was like, he was like, let's uh, let's let's go get him. Let's let's have fun, guys. <laughs> like, he, he was terrible. He was absolutely awful. It was great. Uh, it's it's interesting to see that you know that dichotomy there. But one of the things I really like about this is that we're following Cassian, right? Like he's not quite a member of the Alliance, but like he's literally on the fringiest of the fringes of these things. And even if his friend girl girlfriend friend girl uh, is is like part of some form of rebel cell, like. It, it, it's very clearly on the fringes of such. And so to contrast that with showing kind of the fringes of the empire, like these two edges of these factions, essentially kind of lightly grinding up on each other is really, really interesting. It's something we've never really seen before. Because a lot of times it's, you know, like you have these rebel cells and they're met with like this extreme imperial, you know, like the full fist of the empire comes down on them. And it's these these odds that are, are clearly stacked against our heroes. And to some extent, that's still the case. But the fact that we're dealing with the fringes of both, I think offers up some really compelling story opportunities to explore what does that tension look like? And then also, what can each get away with because the main powers that be are not even paying attention? Like, the Empire is not paying attention. Like, you know, like, like the Emperor, Vader, Stormtrooper, like even the Stormtrooper, even the lowliest Stormtrooper isn't paying attention to this, right? And the same is true. My Mothma, at this stage in the game anyway, my Mothma is not paying attention to this. Bail Organa is not paying attention to this. The, the rebel cells, the rebel generals, like they're not like connected to this. So it's literally like the very fringes of this faction war that are coming into contact. And that's just something that's never been explored before. I think it's fascinating. So I'm really excited to see where it goes. Obviously, this is just episode two looking for forward to uh, getting episode three and getting all caught up with where we are right now in the release cycle. Let me know your thoughts. Head over to tvtalk.fm where you can find all of our contact information and more. You can also head over to Twitter. Use the hashtag andor TV talk to let me know your thoughts. Love to hear what you think about the series so far. Uh, I'm really digging it. I think it's really awesome and I'm just, yeah, I'm, ex I'm excited to explore more. So that's going to do it for me for now, but don't worry. I'll be back in a flash. <laughs>